That was really good. Thanks, Sean. So you guys did that all on cue. So welcome to Position of Neutrality. Welcome to New Freedom. How many people I got in the room tonight that have an ADC number? All right. Well, welcome home. Uh, every, every Thursday night in 2023, we've been opening with a prayer. And Chaplain Lee has come to the house tonight to get us started. Let's stand to our feet all over the room. That's right. Let us pray. Father, we thank you again today. We thank you for your awesomeness. We thank you for your presence. We thank you on tonight, Lord, as we prepare to dive into step two, where we come to be aware of the fact that there's a power greater than us that can restore us back to our sanity, that can remind us that it's not us alone, but it is you. So we thank you for moving today by your spirit in this place. Touch the hearts of each and every one that's here and those that are on their way. We ask you on tonight, Lord, that you will use your manservant in a mighty way to speak into the lives of these people, to present who you are. In the mighty name of Jesus, we give you all the praise, glory, and honor and let everyone say amen. Thank you, chap. Um, as he mentioned, we're going to take a look at step two tonight. Do we have anyone in the room for the first time tonight? A few, a bunch of you. Okay, very good. <laughs> well, first of all, welcome. Second, let us warn you in advance, you may experience us just a little different than other meetings of other fellowships and the primary reason that's liable to happen is we intend for you to have a different experience here. So what we do here, we take a look at the suggested instruction for a step or so a week directly out of this book and we use this book in 12-step recovery. Why? Yeah, the process described by the authors of this book has been proven to work for addicts of the hopeless variety, addicts to alcohol and other substances. Yes? So tonight we're going to take a look at step two if last week you had a first step experience of powerlessness and unmanageability, or you can recall from your active addiction the experience of powerlessness, now the solution to powerlessness as a condition is access to power, yeah? So we're going to talk tonight about power, where and how it's found, and that kind of thing. So what that means is sometime tonight we're going to have our encounter with this power that we desperately need. Yeah? And when you do, this power is sensory in nature. So when you have your encounter, I'll know and I'll call it to your attention. Because we would cheat you to talk to you about the power we call God without giving you a demonstration of the power. Fair enough? So we're in chapter four, a little chapter called We Agnostics. And they start out by saying, in the preceding chapters, you've learned something of alcoholism. So how many of you in reading some of these chapters learned something of alcoholism? How many of you learned a lot about alcoholism and addiction before you ever saw this book? So did some of the things that these authors called to your attention make some sense of the experience you had that was sometimes unexplainable? Okay, well, that's what we're hoping for. So we're trying to prepare our hearts and minds for this encounter. So at least I, 
I'm understanding at this point in my journey that I may need a healer. I may need a healing because something's not going right with my thinking. Yeah? Okay. All right. So it says, we hope we've made clear the distinction between the alcoholic and the non-alcoholic. Have they made that distinction clear? Okay, here, Sean. We have this abnormal reaction. The doctors say it may be the manifestation of an allergy, but it's a physical craving beyond our mental control. Any of you ever start using or drinking and end up doing more than you originally intended? Okay. All right, so they're going to run us through the diagnosis if when you honestly want to. So what's the qualification? Honestly want to. So did you go from a point where you really didn't care to control how much you took to where you honestly wanted to control how much you took and found that you missed the mark. Okay. Or you, if, you, if when you honestly want to, you find you cannot quit entirely, or if when drinking you have little control over the amount you take, you're probably alcoholic. So they're bringing us back to the idea of control. Why didn't they tell us we we're alcoholic so we could just get right into... Yeah, it really doesn't matter what someone else's opinion of my condition is, does it? How many of you got a lot of opinions about your condition? <laughs> so it says, if that be the case, you may be suffering from an illness which only a spiritual experience will conquer. So they're trying to lay some truth on us right there. It says, to one who feels he's an atheist or agnostic, such an experience seems impossible. So do I have people in the room that at one time did or still feel themselves atheist or agnostic. Atheist, there is no God. An agnostic, maybe, can't be proven. Yeah? Okay. So does the experience, this spiritual experience that they're describing seem impossible when you're sitting there and say, I just don't believe that? But, but to continue as he is means disaster. Have any of you at least concluded that? Then it says, especially if he's an alcoholic of the hopeless variety. To be doomed to an alcoholic death or to live on a spiritual basis are not always easy alternatives to face. <laughs> Sean likes to chuckle at that point. Do you guys know why he's chuckling, though? Part of it is because he's on cue, and we've been doing this shtick for a lot of years. But <laughs> the other part of it is, think about what they're saying. Happy, joyous, and free... Alcoholic death. Pick one. So we do have a little struggle with it, don't we? Even though what I'm doing means disaster, not too sure about what this whole thing you're laying out for me, right? Okay. So then they say to... to but it isn't so difficult. About half our original fellowship were of exactly that type. So... What type are they talking about? Atheist, God, can, God does not exist, or agnostic, God cannot be proven to exist. What would the other half of the fellowship be? They were probably people claiming to believe one thing with actions that didn't line up. Does that kind of fit everyone in the room? Okay, that's what we're trying to do. Is So we're still a good representative body of the original fellowship because one of those three 
mindsets, maybe multiples of them, depending on what's going on in our lives, yeah? Okay. So it says, at first, some of us tried to avoid the issue, hoping against hope we were not true alcoholics. Any of you in that class? Yeah, sure, I got a little drug problem, but I'm not that bad yet. And you're living, like, in the overflow down with the... Only suckers pay rent. Oh, <laughs> but after a while, we had to face the fact that we must find a spiritual basis of life or else. So when they say that, they're talking to you about their experience. So who's we when they're talking to us like that? The first 100. And our goal is to align our experience with the first 100, right? Not to come up with our own idea. So you may not be at the place where you must decide on a spiritual basis alive or else, that, that journey is entirely yours. But they're telling us they got to a point where they needed a spiritual basis for life because what they were doing wasn't working and they couldn't get dead. Any of you have a similar experience? Okay. So it says perhaps it's going to be that way with you. Why am I asking you all these questions? You need to go inside, you need to have your own experience, and you need to line it with theirs, not make up your own. See, when I made up my own, I was doing Joe's Anonymous. And it was a very lonely place. But Alcoholics Anonymous is about the first 100 in an agreed experience, and that's why I don't want to change it, I want to find myself within it. Does that make sense? All right, so, so it, says, it says, cheer up, something like half of us thought we were atheists or agnostics. Our experience shows that you need not be disconcerted. Now, over the years, people have said, well, you can remain atheist or agnostic, and I would say to you, of course you can. But they didn't. They thought themselves one thing, but the experience they underwent changed their mind. Does that make sense? Some of you felt that. Who felt that? Okay, so you're already starting to have your encounter. Some of you must really be junkies. Must be Dan back there. I saw him. Okay, so they're telling us they had an experience that they're about to describe, even though half of them thought they were atheists or agnostics, especially for the agnostic who thinks God cannot be proven to exist, and all of a sudden they start having this powerful sensory experience from within, and someone points out to them that, that's your feeling, that's the power we call God. And then how do you know I'm feeling something? Well, because I'm feeling it too, and that's the way I'm wired. When you have it, I get it. I'm, that's why I do this work, right? I, I like this. Okay, so if a mere code of morals, a better philosophy of life were sufficient to overcome alcoholism, many of us would have recovered long ago. So how many of you tried that first? Change your morals, change your philosophy. Did it work? Nope, because here we are. Okay, but we found that such codes and philosophies did not save us no matter how much we tried. We could wish to be moral, we could wish to be philosophically comforted. In fact, we could will these things with all our might, but the needed power wasn't there. So how many of you had that experience? You knew who you wanted to be, you knew that you had people that cared about you, that you cared about, that needed you to be something, and you just could not muster the will to be that consistently. That's all they're talking about. We've all had that struggle. We have that struggle in sobriety, which is why a manner of living is suggested rather than a one and done, right? Okay, 
So our human resources as marshaled by the will were not sufficient. They failed utterly. Did you see that progression in your life? First of all, it wasn't sufficient. You missed a few appointments, and then pretty soon you came right off the rails. Okay. So it says lack of power. That was our dilemma. They've, they've concluded. I've admitted to powerlessness. So lack of power in order to live successfully is their dilemma. We had to find a power by which we could live, and it had to be a power greater than ourselves, obviously. But where and how were we to find this power? So if I have a question mark, I'm going to go inward. Eyesight without insight is spiritual blindness. And they're going to go into a bunch of detail, but I don't like to leave a room full of people waiting. I got any meth addicts in here? Never want to leave a tweaker waiting. So, so we're going to go to page 55, and then we'll come back. So in page 55, they left us with where and how are we going to find this power? Then they're going to tell us precisely what they found. Does that make sense? So it says, second paragraph, actually, we were fooling ourselves, for deep down in every man, woman, and child is the fundamental idea of God. Power! Oh, that was good. There, a little weak, huh? Okay. So a couple things. Over the years, people said, just write down all the characteristics you would like to have in God and and there you go. And I would suggest to you that's not what they said. And I would not want to find myself in the position of creating the creator. Because I've done that, and that's how I ended up in the pickle that brought me to these rooms. So what they said is if you're a man, woman, or a child, the fundamental idea of God is found within you. So... For everything that was ever created, whether it's a building or a community or a human being, there was first a reason, a purpose for which it was created. That idea is found within you, according to their witness. Does that make sense? Some of you are feeling that. Who's feeling that now? Okay. All right. So... It says that it may be obscured by calamity, by pomp, by worship of other things, but in some form or other, it's there. So calamity, those things that happen to us. Pomp, I don't know what it looks like for you, but for me, when good things were happening, I did it. And when bad things were happening, y'all did it. And then worships, I don't think I have to explain worships to people like, if we end up in recovery rooms, we've been at least worshiping a chemical or an idea or whatever. Any of you have a persona you pursued? You really didn't like what you were doing, really even didn't believe yourself to be what you were portraying, but you found yourself acting like it, and pretty soon people believed the act. And Is that how some of you got an ADC number? <laughs> it's been known to happen. Um, so, so, it tells us that, that for faith and power greater than ourselves and miraculous demonstrations of that power in human lives are facts as old as man himself. We finally saw that some faith in some kind of God was a part of our makeup. Some kind of power was a part of our makeup, 
just as much as a feeling we have for a friend. So now they're starting to talk to you about the awakening within you, the, the, the sensory nature. How many of you have had a friend? Oh, wow, like six of you. <laughs> How many tweakers did I have in the room? Y'all had lots of friends. Not everyone could even see all the friends you had. How did that friend make you feel? Did come on, if you think about a feeling you have for a friend, they, they could you they could enrage you. They could make you feel all butterflies and warm and fuzzy just thinking about them. Yes? So what we're telling you, not that this power within you is a feeling or an emotion. What we are telling you is that your awareness of that feeling or emotion is the power we call God. Does that make sense? That's your consciousness. Okay, so then it says, sometimes we had to search fearlessly, but he was there. So they told me where and how. Where am I going looking? Deep down inside, and how am I going to look? Sometimes we had to search fearlessly, which would explain why in the very next step, having had this encounter, I would say a prayer asking this power to go inward inside me and find out what calamities, pomps, and worships have been obscuring my consciousness of my power and purpose, which I've always had but was unaware of. Does that make sense? How many of you had power and purpose at different times in your life, and in an active addiction you could do certain things, but you couldn't do others because you couldn't follow through? Okay. All right, so says he was as much a fact as we were. We found the great reality deep down within us, in the last analysis, it's only there that he may be found. It was so with us. So they're telling you why you want to be in a manner of living, because throughout your life, regardless of whether you're drinking and drugging yourself to death, you're going to have lack of power moments. Yes? And so the manner of living always suggests that in the last analysis, the power and purpose for which I was created is always within me. It's not out here. So even when I find myself disturbed in the world, instead of medicating myself into a coma, I'm going to have to go inward and quiet myself and find out why I'm in this particular place doing whatever I'm doing. Does that make sense? Okay. So I'm going to jump back to where we started. Since we got all that done, we got where and how we have to... Where and how were we to find this power? Where and how were we to find it? Deep down inside, searching fearlessly. Yes? So then the next paragraph says, well, that's exactly what this book is about. Its main object is to enable you to find a power greater than yourself, which will solve your problem. And what is your problem? The drink problem went away right away for Bill, but he's had other problems since, right? Most of us take away the drink and the drug we experience, right? So this is this book is to enable us to get disciplined in finding power within us, yes? Disciplining our thought life. Okay. And it better be tangible, guys, because it's not going to work. If you're not really tapping into power, then you're getting cheated. Because the power is in you if you're a man, woman, or child. Okay. 
So that means we've written a book which we believe to be spiritual as well as moral, and it means, of course, that we're going to talk about God. Oh, you almost had it. Let's try again. That means, of course, that we're going to talk about God. That's good. That's good. Here, difficulty arises with agnostics. Many times we talk to a new man and watch his hope rise as we discuss his alcoholic problems and explain our fellowship. One of the things we do badly in modern fellowship is we don't help people differentiate the difference between our program, which is found in the book, A Manner of Living That Works, and our fellowships, which may have all kinds of names to them, but they're, they're just rooms where we gather and fellow. <laughs> and, and just because you're sitting in a room does not mean you're in the program, but many people would tell you so, right? In fact, you're not in the program in a meaningful way unless you're in the book. People tell me, and I'm feeling a little dickish, and they say, I'm in the program. And I go, really? What page? Because the fellowship was named after the book, not the other way around. And if, if we don't explain to people, sitting in our rooms abstinent is a miserable and nearly impossible condition for the likes of me. But I don't sit in the rooms abstinent because I have done this step process, I've entered this manner of living, and I experience a condition that I like to call spiritual inebriation, which solved my problem of being restless, irritable, and discontented all the time. Any of you had that problem? I met some of you. I know you did. (laughs) Me too. But his face falls when we speak of spiritual matters, especially when we mention God. Ah, oh, you guys are so far off. You know, we got to get you books, especially when we mention God. For we reopened a subject which our man thought he had neatly evaded or entirely ignored. We know how he feels. So can you get with him? Those of you maybe a little further in the walk, look, I left that God stuff back there. Bill, Bill felt that way. Right? Bill was raised with believers, and he still had trouble with it. He went to war, but the thing, first thing he did when he was really frightened is he went to the churchyard, and he started praying, and the power came on him. And he recalls it much later, right? Okay. So he, we did know how you feel. We know how he feels. We've shared his honest doubt and prejudice. If you're new or new to this teaching, your only obligation to yourself is to share your honest doubt and prejudice. With those of us who are known by this power, are obligated to introduce you to this power if you'll just tell us you want to meet. Yes? Some of us have been violently anti-religious. Anyone who's been violently anti-religious? Where did the violence emanate from? Deep down within, most people, if they're honest, right? It's a, it's a reaction we can't really explain. To others, the word God. Oh, I'm telling you, you this, this is a sleepy crowd tonight. <laughs> to others, the word God brought up a particular idea of him which someone had tried to impress upon them during childhood. Perhaps we rejected this particular conception because it seemed inadequate. With that rejection, we imagined we'd abandoned the God idea entirely. 
the power idea entirely. Notice how they said we imagined we had abandoned. How many of you imagined that you had rejected all the teachings and learnings and experiences of your youth and still found yourself with that as part of your, when things got south? Right? It's just weird. So they, we, we imagine one thing and we experience another. So with that rejection, we imagine we had abandoned the God idea entirely. We were bothered with the thought that faith and dependence upon a power beyond ourselves was somewhat weak, even cowardly. So are you in that class? A lot of us were taught that we were responsible for all our own stuff. And in addiction, that's particularly baffling, right? Okay. So we looked upon this world of warring individuals, warring theological systems, and inexplicable, inexplicable calamity with deep skepticism. We looked askance at many individuals who claimed to be godly. <laughs> How could a supreme being have anything to do with it all? So question mark. How could a supreme being have anything to do with all this that we experience on a daily basis? Have you ever had that thought? And who could comprehend a supreme being anyhow? Do you agree with him? I always wonder if the supreme being can comprehend the supreme being or if the supreme being is smart enough not to try. I'm not sure which. They say the fundamental wisdom of God is not that he knows all... Not that he knows all things because he created all things. The fundamental wisdom of God is that he knows he is not that which he created. Some of you are feeling that. See, we always want to make human that which is superhuman. Um, yet in other moments, we found ourselves thinking when enchanted by a starlit night, who then made all this? Has that ever happened? Saw something awe-inspiring in nature? And almost like an out-of-body experience. They said there was a feeling of awe and wonder, but it was fleeting and soon lost. Can you relate to that? Maybe the birth of your child, if you were not the one doing the birthing. That, that can instill that sense of awe and wonder outside of yourself, right? Um, I don't have the other perspective, but I'm imagining they might not have the same view I have. Um, this is important that we get this. How many of you have been in a dangerous situation in your life? There should be a lot more hands in this crowd. So in a car wreck, in a fight, did you notice when that happened, time seemed to slow down? Can you go there with me? Okay, it's important that you get to that place in time in your existence. When that happened, you experienced your consciousness. It's one of the names we, that's why I want to improve that consciousness. Does that make sense? Then I start to realize that at certain times in my life when I was at my most threatening point, I was indeed safe and protected because everything was being slowed down for me. Yes? Okay. How about my athletes? Anyone want to be athletes? Anything like that? Okay, so you trained and now you've made the perfect 
shot, the perfect dive, the perfect throw. Are you with me? No doubt that you're going to make it. You can see it all the way, even though it looks like impossible. It's the one you're hoping your friend's catching on the film. When that happens, you experience your intuitive self. Another one of these powers or names we call this powers. Does it make sense? All right, so then it says, yes, we have agnostic temperament have had these thoughts and experiences. So all of us in their estimation are of some agnostic temperament. And so even though we have these thoughts and experiences and someone calls to our attention that that's the power we call God, we still have a built, we have this built-in doubter, right? Any of you know what I'm talking about? You went through some magnificent scrapes in your life. You had to to get here. And yet got all the way through it, and then something new comes up and go, oh, I'll never get through it. Screw it. Anybody? Okay, so that's what we're talking about, the nature of, I've had these thoughts and experiences. I know this is real, but it won't work this time. Anybody? Okay. So let us make haste to reassure you, we found that as soon as we were able to lay aside prejudice and express even a willingness to believe in a power greater than ourselves, we commenced to get results, even though it was impossible for any of us to fully define or comprehend that power, which is God. So now they're telling you, none of us can fully comprehend this power, and that was never the expectation. The expectation is that we be honest in the experience. This is where we get to this God that we come... The power we come to believe in here is found within us, and it is the subject of my experience, not the object of my belief. Does that make sense? So that's why I'm going to ask to go get armed with the facts about myself and then you go give testimony about the restoration I've experienced, his love, his power, his way of life. That's what happened for me. I didn't do anything to create that. All I did was get dead in addiction. And then life came into me, took me in another direction. That's it. Everything that's happened since then, I just bear witness to. I don't have nothing to do with that either. People like to say, oh, you must have had something to do with it. No, not really. I've been pretty obstinate, lots. And those of you that can't get here, I need to tell you, if you don't believe in a power greater than yourself when you get to 12-step recovery, you're wasting valuable high time. Because... At least alcohol, methamphetamine, cocaine, heroin, fentanyl were powers greater than you, or you wouldn't have come to our clubhouse. Does that make sense? So what we don't want you to do is waste valuable high time if you're just completely obstinate about the idea that there's a power greater than you that can be found, because I've seen some of your photos. (laughs) And we... We shine up pretty good, but we're pretty tore up when we arrive. (laughs) All right, so much to our relief, we discovered we did not need to consider another's conception of God. Why do I not need to consider another's conception? Because God is not a conception. None of us can fully define or comprehend that power, which is God, but we we are able to experience that power. And we're able to improve consciousness of that power, the awareness of being aware. And if I'm serving sincerely enough, I will experience a condition that I like to call spiritual inebriation, liberation from me, which is what I pray for in three when we get there. 
relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Yeah? Okay. So, holy. Okay. Our own conception, however inadequate, was sufficient to make the approach and effect a contact with him. As soon as we admitted the possible existence of a creative intelligence, a spirit of the universe underlying the totality of things, we began to be possessed of a new sense of power and direction, provided we took other simple steps. So a new sense of power and direction, provided we took other simple steps. So the promise is a new sense of power and direction that they were possessed of, not possessed by. <laughs> Some people think about you know the head spinning around, the green stuff coming out. Not possessed by, possessed of. The power is flowing through me, but it's not of me. Does that make sense? And, and it says, that provided I take other simple steps. So what do you imagine those are? Yeah, I'm in two. So 3 through 12 would be the logical progression, right? Okay. So we found that God does not make, <laughs> does not make two hard terms with those who seek him. To us, the realm of the spirit is broad, roomy, all-inclusive, never exclusive or forbidding to those who earnestly seek. It's open, we believe, to all men. So regardless, and they're talking the family of man, this book was written before we got, you know, politically correct in all things. And, and so the reality is when we're talking, if you're a man, woman, or child, then access to this power is open to you. Okay, so that says that when, therefore, we speak to you of God, we mean your own conception of God. This applies, too, to other spiritual expressions which you find in this book. Now, what they're saying here has been greatly exaggerated over the years to where people say, you just have a God of your understanding. That's not what they said. They said God as we understood him, and they told you how they understood him to be this profound revelatory experience power, peace, happiness, sense of direction flowing in. But what we are telling you at this stage of your development is God will meet you where you are, okay? Wherever you are, in the ditch, in the hospital, in the prison, in the treatment center, God will meet you where you are. And you don't have to believe in God because when he comes to get you, he already has demonstrated his belief in you. It's far more important that you recognize God's belief in you than your own beliefs at this stage of your development. Does that make sense? Okay. So then it says, this applies to other spiritual expressions which you find in this book. Do not let any prejudice you may have against spiritual terms deter you from honestly asking yourself what they mean to you. It's always about finding out what's going on within you. The answers for you are in you. And our job as you come into our fellowships is to help you unpack. Does that make sense? So at the start, this was all we needed to commence spiritual growth, to affect our first conscious relation with God as we understood him. Now, you know why what I said to you before, I know it to be true? Because they qualified it when they said that. Your first conscious relation, the awareness of being aware of this power flowing through me that is not of me. That's how I affected the first conscious relation, which gave me the ability to start to come to believe that I could improve that conscious relation. And then I would find that what things people thought were impossible for the likes of me, not only were possible, but they were inevitable. Does that make sense? 
Okay, so then it says, afterward we found ourselves accepting many things which then seemed entirely out of reach. That was growth, but if we wished to grow, we had to begin somewhere, so we used our own conception, however limited it was. So remember the condition, share your honest doubt and prejudice, whatever your belief is. Share your honest doubt and prejudice. And if there is no power greater than you, you're wasting a lot of time in recovery fellowships. Because again, heroin, methamphetamine. But you'll come to believe in the power as the power expresses itself through you. That's also inevitable, right? Okay. That's why they call it an awakening, having had a spiritual awakening. Okay. So we need to ask ourselves but one short question. Do I now believe... Or am I even willing to believe that there is a power greater than myself? Why did I ask you to qualify your relationship with addiction? Because am I even willing to believe that? Am I even willing to concede that I'm whipped? Because if I'm not, if I'm just going to go forth and not pick up no matter what, then say la vie, motherfucker. <laughs> Don't spread that poison around us. We dying. Okay. As soon as a man can say that he, he does believe or is w even willing to believe, we emphatically assure him that he's on his way. That's not too hard terms, right? Just be willing to believe that there's more than you've experienced thus far. Okay? It has been repeatedly proven among us that upon this simple cornerstone, a wonderfully effective spiritual structure can be built. That was great news to us, for we'd assume we could not make use of spiritual principles unless we accepted many things on faith, which seemed difficult to believe. So how many of you, when you first started, had a lot of trouble understanding people that were a little further in the journey, and they just talked about walking in faith and all these things, oh, this will be fine. And it's like, but as you grew in it, it's like, now you knew, right? I know now why they were so certain, because I've been walking in it in a minute, and one of the things that happens is we realize how impossible it was for someone in the condition I was to ever stop doing what I was doing. Statistically, people like me just die on the street. That's it. And that's not what happened to me. Okay, so when people presented us with spiritual approaches, how frequently did we all say, I wish I had what that man has. I'm sure it would work if I could only believe as he believes but I cannot accept as surely true the many articles of faith which are so plain to him. So how many of you are at that point? Or have been there? Like you saw somebody, you heard somebody, you go, I, I'd be all right if I could believe like that. So what I want to tell you is don't look any further. If you found them and they inspired you, you already have what it is you want. What we need to do is wake you up to that power within you. Does that make sense? Okay. So it was comforting to learn that we could commence at a simpler level. Besides the seeming inability to accept much on faith, we often found ourselves handicapped by obstinacy, sensitiveness, and unreasoning prejudice. How many of you have had that issue? Been a little obstinate? How many of you were sensitive? I used to hear that in rooms. I'm sensitive because I'm alcoholic. Have you ever heard that? Or maybe that was old timers, but I used to hear that a lot. We're not sensitive because we're alcoholic. We're sensitive because we're sensitive. But 
as an alcoholic, my sensitivity is killing me, which is what I, why I might want to improve my consciousness of who I really am versus who I was thinking I was. Because once I know who I am and whose I am, that worldly stuff is, doesn't have the effect, right? How many of you have outgrown other people's ideas of you largely? What did you do to make that happen? It just, your consciousness grew, right? And it's like, okay. Some of them are going to like me and some aren't. I guarantee you, if, if everyone likes you, you ain't doing nothing. <laughs> just, just a fact. All right. So many of us have been so touchy that even casual reference to spiritual things made us bristle with antagonism. This sort of thinking had to be abandoned. Though some of us resisted, we found no great difficulty in casting aside such feelings. Faced with alcoholic destruction, we soon became as open-minded on spiritual matters as we had tried to be on other questions. In this respect, alcohol was a great persuader. It finally beat us into a state of reasonableness. How many of you are reasonable? That's really the requirement now is to be, that's why we don't try and convince people of their condition. So sometimes this was a tedious process. How many, how many of you experienced the tedious process of being beaten reasonable? We hope no one else will be prejudiced for as long as some of us were. The reader may still ask why he should believe in a power greater than himself. We think there are good reasons. Let's have a look at some of them. So we're going to try and dive in to the thoughts that are blocking me off from the possibility that I could form a relationship with a power within me to recreate my life. Does that make sense? Okay. So the practical individual of today is a stickler for facts and results. Nevertheless, the 20th century readily accepts theories of all kinds, provided they're firmly grounded in fact. We have numerous theories, for example, about electricity. Everyone believes them without a murmur of doubt. Why this ready acceptance? So does everyone in here believe in electricity? Yes. Yeah. I got the shit shot out of me. <laughs> so what Sean is saying is that he has experienced its effects. So the authors are trying to point out to you, we do not expect you in 12-step recovery to come to believe in anything that you cannot first experience the effects of. Does that make sense? So they're going to go into this whole thing about electrical theory. I don't have to understand electrical theory to know that when I turn the lights on, if I've paid the bill, they're coming on. Right? Okay. So... Simply because it's impossible to explain what we see, feel, direct, and use without a reasonable assumption is a starting point. So I'm assuming because this power to live is found within me that it must have originated in me, but on its face, that's laughable, right? So I'm starting to question my belief system right now, okay? So everybody nowadays believes in scores of assumptions for which there's good evidence, but no perfect visual proof and does not science demonstrate the visual proof is the weakest proof? Another question, question mark. So has science, your knowledge of science, proved to you that what you saw wasn't necessarily what you saw? Right? We're whirl, swirling massive electrons whirling around at incredible speed, but I see 
a platform I'm standing on or a wall. I don't see a light body, yes? So science tells me it's one thing. What I see is not that, yes? They tell me that you're also part of that swirling mass of electrons, that human form, right? They say you're, what, 80-some percent water? 90-plus percent water? That's not what appears, right? Okay. So, so is, it is being constantly revealed as mankind studies the material world that outward appearances are not inward reality at all. The prosaic steel girder is a mass of electrons whirling around each other at incredible speed. These tiny bodies are governed by precise laws, and these laws hold true throughout the material world. Science tells us so. We have no reason to doubt it. So they're talking about just a steel girder. Prosaic just means of prose, unimaginative. We see them every day. We're told it's one thing. We see another. And it gives us comfort to see what we see, because if we saw a light body, we might not want to stand under a load. Yes? Okay. So we have no reason to doubt it. When, however, the perfectly logical assumption is suggested that underneath the material world and life as we see it, there is an all-powerful guiding creative intelligence. Right there, our perverse streak comes to the surface, and we laboriously set out to convince ourselves it isn't so. We read wordy books and indulge in windy arguments, thinking we believe this universe needs no God to explain it. I like to... Does it even make sense that the world we live in, the universe we inhabit, would need no power to explain it? That doesn't even make sense to the logical mind, the worldly mind, right? Were our contentions true, it would follow that life originated out of nothing, means nothing, and proceeds nowhere. How many of you lived a life in addiction that looks like that was your belief? Instead of regarding ourselves as intelligent agents, spearheads of God's ever-advancing creation, we agnostics and atheists chose to believe that our human intelligence was the last word, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and end of all. Then they said, rather vain of us, wasn't it? And they want me to go inward and analyze that. Um, first of all, they said that the, the choice I'm making is either life means nothing, going nowhere, whatever, originates out of nothing, or I am the hands and feet of this creative intelligence. Spearheads, the driving force of his ever-advancing creation. So do I want to believe I play a part, even if it's a small part, the part of an instrument, not the musician? That's basically where we're at, right? Okay, and then they go through this whole thing about the last word, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and end. So let's ask ourselves logically if it makes any sense. How many of you had input into the decision that brought you into this realm? Did you consult your parents prior to your conception? The likelihood is you did not. So the likelihood is that you know nothing of the beginning, wherever that took place in your theology. What about in your active addiction or in your active life that got you to all the things that you got into? How many of you watched other people die doing the things you were doing? How many of you wondered why you weren't one of them? Many of us get here with a lot of guilt around it, as a matter of fact. Why me? 
Um, so, how many of you tried to end it for yourself? It's usually a few. And I'm guessing you weren't successful, given that you're here. <laughs> so, you never know. <laughs> um, so, if you know nothing in the beginning, and you know nothing about the end, and if you're anything like me, you probably got a lot of fog around the middle. It would be rather vain of me to think I'm all that, right? I can't possibly be the Alpha and the Omega and all those things just by recounting my own history, yes? Okay, so it says, We who have traveled this dubious path beg you to lay aside prejudice. So now we're confronting our own. See how they're teaching me already to start taking captive the thoughts that are blocking me off from a better version of me? And they're, they're saying, just question your own experience, Joe. Just question your own experience and see if you can't make a little room for power to come in. Okay. All right. So even against organized religion, we've learned that whatever the human frailties of various faiths may be, those faiths have given purpose and direction to millions. People of faith have a logical idea what life is all about. Actually, we used to have no reasonable conception whatever. We used to amuse ourselves by cynically dissecting spiritual beliefs and practices when we might have observed that many spiritually-minded persons of all races, colors, and creeds were demonstrating a degree of stability and happiness and usefulness which we should have sought ourselves. How many of you had that experience, either in recovery rooms? Any of you just go to your recovery room, but you, you kept stumbling and but you'd come back and there'd still be the same friendly faces sticking out their hands. And they weren't the judgmental ones. The, the ones that were just standing there new to cup, fill your cup half full. Where's my drinkers? If you're drinkers, you know what I'm talking about. Because if they give me a full cup, it's going to be everywhere. But they give me a half a cup and it doesn't slop as bad. Um, so once... Confused and baffled by the seeming, oh, instead of we, the, we looked at the human defects of these people and sometimes used their shortcomings as a basis of wholesale condemnation. We talked of intolerance while we were intolerant ourselves. Any of you ever have that experience? What you're going to learn if you get into this manner of living is the world doesn't cause how you think and feel. It reflects how you're thinking and feeling which is why when I think you intolerant, all I'm seeing is my thoughts. I'm the intolerant one. I'm intolerant of your intolerance at a minimum. <laughs> so we talked of intolerance or while we were intolerant ourselves. We missed the reality and the beauty of the forest because we were diverted by the ugliness of some of its trees. We never gave the spiritual side of life a fair hearing. In our personal stories, you'll find a wide variation in the way each teller approaches and conceives of the power which is greater than himself. Whether we agree with a particular approach or conception seems to make little difference. Experience has taught us that these are matters about which, for our purpose, we need not be worried. They are questions for each individual to settle, settle for himself. So our job here tonight is simply to introduce you to power, not an idea of power, but an experience of power, and then... As you believe in the possibility of growing in consciousness of that power, the power will reveal to you in light of your experience. Does that make sense? Okay. So on one proposition, however, these men were, and women were strikingly agreed. So the book is Alcoholics Anonymous, the story of how many 
thousands of men and women have recovered from alcoholism. Does that make sense? So the first 100 tell the story of many thousands who have recovered, and they're collectively, the first 100 are agreeing on this based on their collective experience. Every one of them has gained access to and believes in. Notice how the gaining access to always precedes the belief in. Because we teach you to talk to you about the power we call God without giving you a demonstration. Does that make sense? Okay. A power greater than himself. This power has in each case accomplished the miraculous, the humanly impossible. As a celebrated American statesman put it, let's look at the record. Here are thousands of men and women, worldly indeed. So these were educated people, doctors, lawyers, business leaders. Does that make sense? Worldly, not a bad thing, not a good thing. They just were educated people, okay, who also had a condition. They flatly declare that since they have come to believe in a power greater than themselves, to take a certain attitude toward that power and to do certain simple things, there's been a revolutionary change in their way of living and thinking. How many of you have experienced a revolutionary change in your way of living and thinking? How many of you need a new revolution on an ongoing basis? Because life shows up, right? Okay. In the face of collapse and despair, in the face of the total failure of their human resources, they found that a new power, peace, happiness, and sense of direction flowed into them. Guys, you got to get that. They're telling you the story. They all, the first 100, flatly declare that once they entered into this manner of living, they, instead of restlessness, irritability, and discontent, they were filled with power, peace, happiness, and a sense of direction. They never were intending for this plan to leave you powerless or, in fact, abstinent. That's just a byproduct of walking in the Spirit. Does that make sense? Okay. So this happened soon after they wholeheartedly met a few simple requirements. So what are the simple requirements? Get through, get through the 12 steps and keep going, right? Okay. Once confused and baffled by the seeming futility of existence, they show the underlying reasons why they were making heavy going of life. Leaving aside the drink question, they tell why living was so unsatisfactory. They show how the change came over them. So it's really weird in words to show how the change comes over when you're talking about this flow of the Spirit. We can share that experience, but that's why the book says to show others precisely how we've recovered instead of to tell. It's very difficult. No one can read this book till someone shows them what it is they're describing. And the only way I can tell you how this sensory experience they're describing feels is to feel it and then point it out in you when you start feeling it. And then all of a sudden we start accepting many things on faith, which at first seemed difficult to believe. Okay. All right. So when many hundreds of people are able to say that the consciousness of the presence of God is today the most important fact of their lives, they pre present a powerful reason why one should have faith. So if you wonder why one should have faith, they're telling you, I'm telling you, consciousness, the awareness of being aware of that power in and on my life is a powerful reason why you might want to have faith if you would like to experience the redemption I have experienced. And the experience that I have experienced isn't a one-off. Look what God prepared for you. 
Does that make sense? You guys are sitting in a place prepared just for you. So it says this world of ours has made more material progress in the last century than in all the millenniums which went before. Almost everyone knows the reasons. Students of ancient history tell us the intellect of men in those days was equal to the best of today, yet in ancient times, material progress was painfully slow. The spirit of modern scientific inquiry, research and invention was almost unknown. In the realm of the material, Men's minds were fettered by superstition, tradition, and all sorts of fixed ideas. Some of the contemporaries of Columbus thought a round earth preposterous. Others came near putting Galileo to death for his astronomical heresies. Any of you students of science and know Galileo's astronomical heresies? He said the earth wasn't the center of the universe, the sun was. And we revolved around the sun, not the other way around. No, that, that just threw the whole story off. Need to kill that sucker. But the question is, how did he know? How did he know that that spirit of scientific inquiry had visited him because he had the ability to see that other people couldn't see, but it was given to him. So no one's trying to say that spirit of scientific inquiry is bad. What we're saying is it's not the answer to everything. Okay, so we ask ourselves this, are not some of us just as biased and unreasonable about the realm of the spirit as were the ancients about the realm of the material? Even in the present century, American newspapers were afraid to print an account of the Wright brothers' first successful flight at Kitty Hawk. Had not all efforts at flight failed before? Did not Professor Langley's flying machine go to the bottom of the Potomac? Potomac River, was it not true that the best mathematical minds had proved man could never fly? Had not people said God had reserved, <laughs> had reserved this privilege to the birds? Only 30 years later, the conquest of the air was almost an old story and airplane travel was in full swing. But in most fields, our generation has witnessed complete liberation of our thinking. Show any longshoreman a Sunday supplement describing a proposal to explore the moon by means of a rocket and he'll say, I bet they do it. Maybe not so long either. So obviously this is dated, but we're talking about, we have faith in all these things that are coming, and we just need to apply that faith in other matters. Does that make sense? And that they, they, they say we, we um, what did I do here? Just, I want to I jump to the bottom of this really quick. Um, it says, when we saw others solve their problems by a simple reliance upon the spirit of the universe, we had to stop doubting the power of God. See how the authors are pointing us to the power, the experience, not the thing that drives prejudice. Our ideas did not work, but the God idea did. So the Wright brothers' almost childish faith that they could build a machine which would fly was the mainspring of their accomplishment. So I'm going to stop right there with this thought. They didn't credit their scientific prowess or their worldly resources. What they credited to the miracle of flight for the Wright brothers was their childlike faith. That should resonate with many of you. Thank you very much. Love you.